Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us on Down to Earth. My name is Harriet Kimmerick. This is the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today, that issue is how are American workers staying home? How are they coping? How are we all coping with this new reality that has confronted us? Today is the 18th of March, and by now, everyone on the planet is aware of the coronavirus. I mean, far-flung countries like Gambia, and other parts of Africa are now reporting their own cases. So whereas in the Western world, we have seen the cases double, quadruple in Italy, it is unspeakably tragic. Uh, Just Monday, we reported that in Italy, there were 268 deaths on Sunday. Then by Monday, it was 300. Well, yesterday, there were still 300 more people died in addition to the deaths reported on Sunday and Monday. It's an unspeakable tragedy and many Americans are just now waking up to the reality that this is real. I mean just yesterday I was out and about and I overheard people saying it's just a flu. Why are people panicking? I'm like are you crazy or what? Are are people and these were the most vulnerable part of the population. Young people had masks on and gloves Younger people had masks on and gloves and were making sure they use hand sanitizers. But older folks were saying, it's just a flu. It's just a flu. It's just a hoax. It's not going away. And I'm like, the misinformation is incredible. And a lot of it was fed into the the Republican rhetoric that started. Like, you, you know, you're leaders. You need to be conscious of your messaging from your platforms. You can't just look at a virus that is afflicting people and laugh about it and say that it is not serious because your followers are taking it serious are not taking it seriously and are now exposed. And these I had to turn and look because these are folks who are my parents' age, right? And who perhaps are the most vulnerable and the most likely to to suffer an attack especially in their in their respiratory systems or if they have underlying health conditions. I mean, they've been saying it forever and a day. Uh, last night I was talking to my sister and uh, I was reminding her that on February 22nd, the FBI had issued a press release saying that they were buying hand sanitizers in bulk and masks. And my thing at the time was, what do they know that we don't know? They felt like the by this time it had ravaged China. It had started in Iran and it was headed to Italy and Spain. They were just reporting like one or two isolated cases in the northern part of Italy. And I was like, what do they know that we don't know? If the FBI is going to buy hand sanitizers or masks, what do they know we don't know? Well, within a week, people started buying stuff because then the news media started reporting it. But we we have leaders who who were making fun of it and making it seem like it's not real. And now... You have a whole group of people, especially the most vulnerable, who are saying that this is not, this is just a flu. It is not just a flu. If it were just a flu, then we wouldn't be talking about it. This is a particular strain of a virus that is deadly. And my friends, please heed the warning. So a couple of things happened overnight. By now, everybody knows Kevin Durant tested positive. He and other uh, uh, team members have tested positive. Here in the Metro Detroit area overnight, Chrysler had to shut down one of its plants. Workers walked off last night because they said a worker had tested positive and they didn't feel that their facilities were doing enough to combat it. 
So this morning again they shut the plane down. So now they're in. They've been in talks with the UAW since yesterday, to uh, to remedy the situation by making sure that workers will be paid, but that if they do show up for work, then they're not going to be exposed to the virus. Similarly, the bus union who runs the city's buses uh, have said the same thing. They want more uh, cleaning and sanitation supplies while they're running. They want more distancing between themselves and, 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 and passengers. And now the city says, well, we're not gonna have any fares collected because we don't want passengers touching the driver or the drivers because that cross-contamination has can happen. So for people who are saying, please, I'm asking you, call your seniors. Call your parents and grandparents and tell them this is not a hoax and this is not a joke because they're sitting there thinking that this is something that they can't avoid, that this is just a flu and you will sweat it out and then when you sweat it out, it will go away. If you're sweating it out, then you obviously don't have the coronavirus because it does not make you sweat it out. You end up being very, very sick. Now, truthfully, 98% of the people who, who do get it do recover, but those are people who have no underlying health conditions. The reason they're talking to everyone is because folks with underlying health conditions, no matter what age you are, are most susceptible. Additionally, older folks are even more susceptible because your body just doesn't have enough immunity to fight it off, right? So please call your, your, your parents, grandparents, great uncles, aunts, all your relatives and tell them this is not something to play with. Start minimizing contact, have practiced social distancing. People still don't know what that is, I see, right? People still are, are very crowded. Practice common sense things, like if you have to take, I don't know who is taking public transportation in New York City and other major uh, areas nowadays. I think everybody is taking an Uber or driving, self-driving their cars, right? But uh, we all need to uh, make sure that we are, we are mindful of these things. This is not a joke, this is not a fluke. Uh, a friend of, you know, somebody texted me a couple days ago and they were having a birthday party for their child. And I'm like, seriously? I thought you had canceled that. And they said, no, this, this whole coronavirus is just being hyped up by the media. I said, oh my God, stop the nonsense. I said, so people dying in Italy is nonsense? Is, is nonsensical to you and is nonsense? Well, that's Italy. I said, Jesus, have mercy. I said, I can't talk to you folks. I, I can't deal with it. The misinformation is incredible, right? And now, when you look at the outplays, when you see countries like Canada closing its borders, just a few minutes ago, the Detroit News is reporting that uh, America is closing our northern border, right? So, or northern border between us and Canada, we're closing that except for trade. Now, as you know, Canada is just like America, right? right? The two economies are integrated. We just have different systems of government, right? So 75% of Canadian exports come to the US. 98% of Canada's oil exports come here. Canada gets their groceries from here. So truck drivers are driving. We know this because we live in Detroit and we are close to Canada. In fact, a lot of, I was told years ago that $9 billion in Canadian trade comes over the Detroit bridge, right? So Canada and America are very integrated and our economies are integrated and Canada needs us as much as we need them, right? So pray for our friends in Canada. Now they've closed their borders except to Americans. So you're here, 
you live here, you can get into Canada. They're just going to ask that you self-quarantine for 14 days. And some people in Canada are like, well, you know, we shouldn't do that because there are a lot of Americans who have a tough luck. We want to keep that option open. So if anything, both of we can go back and forth. So keep that option open, right? It ain't going to change nothing. We're the two economies are, we're too integrated. And if anything, we have each other. That's just the way it is. It's the way geographically tough. It was set down from the countries were made geographically. We, we have to cooperate, right? And many of you are saying, mm-hmm, maybe we should do that with Mexico. That time is coming too. You don't think so? That time is going to come too. The same way we deal with Canada is eventually it's going to be the same way we have to deal with Mexico. Mexico will have to close their borders to other places, but eventually they're going to make a choice. You're going to join these bad boys over here or which ones, right? So it's only a matter of time before the southern border is sealed. That's going to happen. Could be by the end of the day, right? <sighs> Take a deep breath, everyone. It's going to be, it's really, it's going to be okay after a while. It's really going to be okay. So the feds are looking at a stimulus, a stimulus package, right? Uh, hopefully they don't drag their feet and they support American workers through this because here's the deal. In America today, unlike most other spaces in the world that ask people to stay home, those people had paid time off and paid leave. America has now created this gig economy where most people earn as you go. There are no benefits, there are no systems of support. It's the new reality in America because that's how American uh, corporations want America to be. They don't want Americans to feel secure that you can work and you can, and they are responsible and they have to pay out. American business owners don't want that. They want to get the work done, make as many, much profit as they can, create laws and influence lawmakers to pass laws justifying their position while American workers can, well, go figure it out. It's this kind of, uh, my daughter refers to it as rugged uh, capitalism, this kind of rugged individualism that promotes the idea of capitalism. The, the thing about it is that idea didn't work very well in the last century. Uh, people were more philanthropic. So they donated to organizations and they were mindful that of the fact that as corporate citizens, they were they had a part in the in the moral uh, fiber of the society, so they made sure that they supported workers. Today, everybody is a gig economy. It, many of the workers, I would say, seventy percent of American workers do not get supported pay structures at home. So now they're telling everybody to work from home. But who are those reporters and executives, right? Most people who are clerks and so on. Well. How are, the, how are they going to work from home? If you earn 10 to $15, how are you going to work from home? Most people don't work from home, right? So because And most people don't get paid time off leave. So if as the models are suggesting that we're end, going to end up uh, in an eight-week bind, the federal government needs to step in. Then there's a great part of our workforce who are service workers, right? A great part of our workforce are service workers, service workers who work in restaurants, service workers who work in retail. The malls are going to close in just a bit because all the stores are closing. Macy's announced that their stores were closed as of last night. Nordstrom's has closed, so the malls are closed. So the malls are empty because nobody is in the malls and the workers are not there. So who are paying those workers, right? Restaurant workers are not being paid. 
So who is going to pay that? Well, the Fed, that's where the Feds come in. The Feds now say they're going to give out checks. But when will those checks come? And are those checks a one-time pay payment? Are they going to pay people uh, a check for a month? And then if this continues for another month, they make another payment. The government can afford it and they have to do something. Because when people don't have money, people are going to, they're going to find a way to, to riot. They're, they're going to start wondering where it will come from. Now, even people who have paid time off, you get, what, two to three weeks that most employers committed to, they'll pay you for four weeks. But what if this takes an additional four weeks? What is going to happen to people? Do you see what I mean? These are the questions that we have to answer. I read one report yesterday where the Treasury Secretary said that unemployment is going to be 20% by the time this is done. What? That's going to be mass chaos here if that happens. So I, please... Lawmakers, I know you have a lot on your plate and you have a lot to consider, but while you are giving trillions of dollars to big businesses and people like Amazon who don't pay federal taxes, please, I'm begging you, remember the ordinary person like you and I, right? Remember the ordinary people who have to go about their everyday lives. Some of us are caregivers. There are people who have to take care of parents. They have sick family members. Right? There are people who are working, but they have sick children they have to make uh, arrangements for. If they don't get paid, how will they take care of their children? There are people who have sick family members, whether it's a spouse who is ill and can't work, or whether it's an, an adult child, or whether it's a parent, or uh, some family member whom they, are, they have to take care of. Right? We need to be mindful of that and be a little bit more compassionate and just be a human right i'm amazed at how the lack of compassion for ordinary folks i'm i'm amazed that we don't see this a, a, a report that uh we based the story on this morning appeared in the atlantic on february 28th that hypothesized at that point how would americans stay home because most people don't get paid time off or sick leave and whilst we are seeing stories of people saying well the kids are home and i'm working from home but we have to look at sustainability Maybe this is something for us to look at in the future. You know, I talk about economies of scale and implementing social programs and so on, and how difficult logistically it is because we have nearly 400 million people and we have more than 3 million square miles to take care of. But the truth of the matter is at some point, we're going to have to adjust our laws and adjust uh, the way that we do business. We've been too casual. We've, we, we have created an economy that supports business only and support the interests of business, but does not support the interests of workers. And it's, it's, now we're seeing the effects of it. Because now we, we've been talking about it for some time. That, that's why people said increase the minimum wage. Increasing the minimum wage will help people to live better. They'll be able to pay rent and have some sort of independent living and some lifestyle. We, what happened to us? We used to do that. Maybe that's why they hate the unions, because the unions brought the middle class to the forefront, because the union said, no, nobody's going to work 60 hours a week without getting paid for it, 40-hour work week. The unions also said people should get paid time off, paid leave, vacation days. You remember all that? Those were the glory days when you could take a vacation day or two. I, I remember telling my kids that we used to get like 14 days vacation days per year. So if you had a child who was sick, you could take a sick day and still get paid for it. They took all of those out and created this at will workplace. 
At will means they can fire you whenever they want. They don't need an excuse to fire you. All these things were created by, 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 law, by lawmakers who are supported by big business. I'm not afraid to say it and I'm not going to draw back from saying it because this is what has produced this idea. Now we have a pandemic that is facing us and it's like, oh my God, I never thought of the people at the bottom. You never even thought about the people in the middle. You only thought about the people who you crisscrossed the paths with in Congress. And by the way, a lot of congressional staffers are at-will employers, at-will employees. You know that. So a lot of the very same people who are writing these briefs for congressmen and senators, they're at-will too. They're not necessarily, they're not employed to the government. They're not attached to the government. So they too face the fact that, yeah, they can work from home, but for how long? And that is essentially the issue. Now, in Italy, what the, the, the government of Italy did was ask uh, banks, mortgage companies, car companies, and utilities to suspend payments because people can't work, they can't pay their bills. So while the government was saying, stay home, stay home, at least people felt like, okay, I can stay home, but I don't have to worry about paying my rent. I don't have to worry about paying my car note. I don't have to worry about paying my utilities, right? We need to ask companies to do that here in the US. It's time. We need to ask companies in the US to suspend payments so that workers are not adversely affected. This was not something that was caused by people. We see this too many times happening in in cases of natural disaster where people have been dislocated, can't get back home, and then they don't have a job, and then they have to go somewhere else to start all over. Come on. The, 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 the trauma, the global trauma, that we are all experiencing from these life hacks and these issues is, is unbelievable. That in itself is a pandemic. And if you think about it, you think about the catastrophic cost of what this lack of employment is going to do to people. It's going to send people over the edge. If you thought we saw deaths of despair before, imagine what's going to happen when people cannot pay their rent. In New York City and in San Francisco, they have suspended evictions. That means if they were evicting people from homes because the banks took over the homes and want the homes back as people couldn't afford to pay the mortgage, or if people were living in apartments and landlords couldn't pay their rent, they've suspended evictions. I suggest that we do that on a national basis. Suspend evictions, suspend repossessions, suspend credit card payments, suspend every darn thing because people are going to be displaced. And if the models are looking like what I see in Italy, even just listening to the folks from the CDC, just listen to what they have to say, listen to what the World Health Organization is saying. These are officials who work in infectious diseases. These folks are not a fluke. These folks know what they're talking about. They're trained, they have studied the data, they're scientists, they're social scientists, they're natural scientists, they have looked at it and they have looked at populations and how this can impact populations. If they're saying this thing is gonna be an eight week thing, and after that the fallout, the economic fallout is catastrophic. They're looking at it from a healthcare point of view that this is, a, this is gonna take us eight weeks to go through this. But the ec economic fallout, how are people going to find jobs after? Are employers going to re-employ the same people whom were displaced? Can people just go back to work? Will they do that? 
Or are they going to say, well, you you know, you didn't come back to work, so we kind of just moved on. We don't need you anymore. And then our employer is going to say, we haven't made any money in eight to nine to 10 weeks in three months. We can't hire anybody. Do you see what I'm saying? The economic fallout is going to be catastrophic. And the federal government is injecting money into into big businesses so the stock market won't plunge. Does anybody really understand how the stock market works? I mean, they tried to explain it to us. And we're still like, every time you think you have a handle on it. So if I buy enough stocks in this company and they trade on it, I'll make money. Every time you think you have a handle on it, they come out with something else. Anybody understands hedge funds and how those work? right and why those are paramillionaires i mean like they just make money is it real money is it or is it just paper money do they know something we don't know do you just create a lot of money and you it just floats around and it shows up in your bank and then you can go buy yourself a 10 million dollar house i just want to know right belgians are home well what i'm finding is that european countries have thought out how they're going there you know they're placing their workers that's what I found out. They, they, they figure it out and they uh, work it out so that it offers least displacement as possible. We need to do the same thing here in America, right? So many workers are home and are looking at abject failure. What are these folks going to do? Is it, is it even afterwards? Are they going to be reemployed? Are restaurant workers going to be able to go back to work? Will people be working so they can eat out? Because the people who eat out are people who work, right? Uh, my, my, yesterday, you know, we've been cooking, I've been cooking more at home. I'm not happy because I don't know that I like cooking and that, you know, I kind of, oh well, I kind of thought I wouldn't have to cook so frequently anymore. Well, I've been cooking a lot. So my daughter said yesterday, you know what? I'm tired of home cooked food. I think I just want to taste something different. And I said, there we go. We have this culture where if you want something to eat, but you don't have it at home, you can go to the nearest restaurant and buy it, right? <laughs> and now what, <laughs> right? So people are saying, well, I guess I'm going to live off my savings. And then you won't have any savings. Bottoms out. People are going to take money out of their 401k just so that they can continue living. Bottoms out again. It, it's And if you take money out of your savings and money out of the four, your 401ks, that bottoms out the economy, doesn't it? Because that's the money, the money that is in banks, the money in your account is the money the bank has that the bank reports to and trades on that makes money off it. The money in your 401k is what they use to trade on and make money off it. Then they tell you that you only made $15 dividends, but the people, it's a pyramid. The people at the top make millions of dollars. I think they need to really tell us what really goes on at the stock exchange. I think they really need to tell us because it's crazy to me that some guy, you remember the WeWork guy? He just came up with this idea of renting out office space. So he would go rent the office space. Then he would rent it out to you and I. And all of a sudden he had an IP offering. And I'm like, how the hell did he get to have an IP offering on such a loser idea? I mean, it sounded like a great idea and so on, but he had no product, no commodity, right? And then I found out that he knew a lot of people. He knew he had family members and so on in banking and so on. So they knew how to get him to raise millions of, he was about to raise a hundred million dollars in capital. So who not really knows how this thing works? Do you see what I mean? Who really knows how it works? 
it certainly is something that all of us per perhaps need to, to, to look at. So now we're in this. This is it for us. This is ground zero. We are in it. This, it's not coming anymore. It's here. And in a matter of time, it's only a matter of time before we really see the full effect of it. There are many people right now who have the symptoms, but don't know that you have it because apparently the symptoms take a while to manifest, right? So before you start the coughing that you can't shake, because at first you think maybe my throat is dry. Maybe I need to drink some more water. Maybe I need to inhale eucalyptus oil or something. So many people are, are asymptomatic. They're carrying the symptoms, but they're spreading the virus to someone who is more susceptible. That virus kind of sounds like it knows what it's doing, doesn't it? Is it going to leave us all like we're going to wake up and there are not going to be enough people or what? Right? Look at Italy. They're losing 300 people a day and this is not wartime. This is not a war where people are actually at war fighting. Right? And so when, we, when you look at these things, you have to ask yourself, we need an inflow of cash and we need a stimulus. And my question is, and nobody that can answer that question, after this is over, will people be able to go back to their jobs? Now, in the case of the auto workers, I'm pretty sure that they will, right? In the case of other unionized workers, I'm pretty sure that they will. But for restaurant workers, I don't think so. For people in retail, I don't think so, right? So people need to, there, there needs to be enough stimulus directed at companies but there also needs to be real-time money going into people's pockets so they can pay their bills and take care of And the government needs to ask people to be kinder. Tell cooperation, stop exacting. There should be a, a, a suspension on student loans. How about that? There should be a suspension on student loans, on mortgage, on all loans, period. No servicing of loans for two months. Can you imagine corporations would die? You know why they're going to ask the government for money? Because they anticipate that there's going to be, what, defaulting on loans. But no, you know who it's going to affect? They're going to get their money either way. You know who it's going to affect? They send out a foreclosure notice. And you're going to be like, I thought you were all staying home. How come you're sending out foreclosure notice? Here in, in Wayne County, Michigan, the uh, Wayne County Treasurer announced on Monday that he was suspending foreclosures in, in, in Wayne County and in Detroit for the rest of the year because he said social distancing and he said the economic impact on fallout is going to be tremendous so they're suspending it for the rest of the year hello somebody that's compassion that's something that other uh other uh, other people in oakland county they pulled the same measure they said they won't carry out any evictions or any tax foreclosures you can forget about that they're not going to do that anymore right that's something that all of us, all, and these are city governments and local authorities that are taking effect, but the federal government needs to ask for it at the federal level. You can't just leave the state governments to do that because these, some of these things are impacted by federal law, right? So we need to ask, the federal government needs to ask employers, needs to ask loan companies, call a moratorium for 60 days and give them an effective date. Say, as of March the 1st or March 15th, don't expect any, and tell them when, for two months. So it gives people a chance to recover. So by the end of the two months, hopefully, you can call them and make arrangements and say, I didn't work. If the Treasury Secretary says unemployment is going to be at 20%, 
You know, even during the recession, it didn't get up to 20%. The last recession in 2008, it did not get up to 20%. Right? So imagine how this is going to be, right? So these are the issues that are facing us. These are the issues that we are confronted with that we have to. So I'm going to ask all of us. Now, it's going to come down to this. At the end of the day, we only have each other, right? We only have each other. So I'm going to ask those of you, those of us who can, I'm going to ask you to give. I'm going to ask you to start this time that you're at home working. Go look for organizations that are providing services in your community. Food banks, make a donation, right? Put it on your credit card because you, you're, you're not going over Starbucks anymore, right? So you can do that, right? Uh, organizations like mine, the Exodus Foundation that continues to provide services to human trafficking victims. Go to my website, theexodusfoundation.com and make a donation, right? Organizations that provide uh, food to students. A lot of school children, we all don't think about that. A lot of school children are dependent on the meals, on the two meals that they get at school to keep them during the day. I wasn't even aware of that. Uh, breakfast. I know there's a school lunch program and a school and a school breakfast program. So a lot of organizations created the grab and go meals that students could could get. Contribute to organizations that could, that do that. Ten dollars goes a long way. If everybody gives ten dollars, before you know it, you have collected over ten thousand dollars. That can do a lot, right? If everybody has done that, and send the link to your friends. Donate to this organization. Donate to organizations that are helping the homeless. Have we thought about the people who live on the streets, who live on the bridges? Have we thought about them? How are, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go during this virus? Because homeless shelters are screening people. Because if they have already screened the people who are in the shelter, so they're not going to accept anybody else. They've called a moratorium on who else comes in based on the new guidelines. Hi, it's happening, right? Homeless shelters, right? So think about that. So donate to organizations that are going, somebody has to take care of those people. They're living under tents. They're in in tent cities, especially in places like San, that's why San Francisco had to shut its city down. San Francisco has the highest number of homeless people in the nation. Those folks are also ill. They already have immunosuppressed diseases that impact their respiratory systems and have underlying health conditions. Whether those are mental or physical, they do have some form of physical manifestation of an illness. So we donate to organizations who help them. Donate to organizations who help foster kids. What about children who are aging out of the foster care system as we speak? They turn 18 and the foster care system kicks them out. They're going to be homeless. Donate to organizations that provide services to them. Donate to organizations that feed the elderly like Meals on Wheels. There are many elderly uh, senior citizens who rely on Meals on Wheels because they can't get up to cook. Would you believe it? They can't get up to cook. And most seniors can't stand for long periods to prepare a meal 
So they end up just grabbing a can of something and heating it up in the microwave and that's dinner. That's not nutritive. So they rely on meals and wheels that provide them with a properly uh, prepared meal. Donate to senior citizens organizations. Donate to organizations that are helping displaced workers right now. Right? Let us do this together. We can come out of this. There is going to be hope. There is hope and you are the hope. The hope is you, that the God in you is going to help those who are helpless. That the God in you is going to help those, for some reason, we can't support who can't support themselves. It makes no sense to ask why. Just do it, right? We have uh, friends and family who are incarcerated. If this virus runs rampant through those uh, facilities, which it usually does because prison is not the most sanitized place, right? And, and, and those conditions are rife. They're just like a Petri dish. It's like, you know, remember when we were all in science lab and they would put stuff in the little Petri dish? That's what some of those places are like. Donate to organizations who are providing services. So while you're sitting at home, well, just think about it. You don't have to buy lunch, boom. <laughs> and you don't have to go buy your coffee because you're at home and you don't really have to go out to eat and hang out with your friends, well, that money that you would normally spend on your own entertainment, give a portion of that back to organizations that are helping the the, the, the least of us. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you do it unto the least of these, you're doing it unto me. So think of the rest of us as the least of us. Do it unto the least of us so that you help us to help those who can't help themselves. I have a donor who uh, recently donated some items of clothing and I was touched by her generosity. She reminded me of one of my first donors who has since moved into a senior care facility. And when I met her, she was on fire. She was 90 at the time. I couldn't believe it. She was 90 years old three years ago and she was on fire. She was an advocate for people who were charged with Medicaid and Medicare fraud. And as an advocate, she didn't need a law degree to appear before the judge to advocate on behalf of people who could not help themselves. She would get in her car on icy roads and drive downtown from her home in, in a suburb of Detroit and drive downtown to go <laughs> to go to the before the judge to advocate. She slipped and fell and so her family had to say, okay, it's enough. Her daughter pulled rank and said, no, 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 you're not going to do this anymore, right? Well, she was one of the first donors to the Exodus Foundation. Her neighbor had died and they had an estate sale. And she felt that some of the items could have been donated. So I went to speak somewhere and she opened the doors for me to meet one of my donors. You never know whose life you will be touching. Those folks, that lady who died and that 90-year-old lady who is now in a senior care facility, you have no idea. They have no idea. I'm eternally grateful for what they have done. You have no idea whose life you will touch. She didn't want to be named. She didn't want to be mentioned. She just, when she said, I know someone who can help you. Here is my number. Call me and I will tell them to get in touch with you. I kid you not. She was 90 years old and on fire. You know how she made me feel. I remember sitting back and saying, I haven't even, what am I doing? Just sitting here, 
I was like, I haven't done anything. This lady is 90 years old and still making herself useful, still finding ways to give back. It's a challenge for you and I now to look at uh, to look at them and say, I'm not really doing anything. I really need to do something. So while you are sitting at home, think about what can you do to help others in need. Think about you yourself. What about you? Do you have a project that you want to get done? Now is the time to sit down and get your nonprofit registered. Get your consulting gig started. Develop your website, right? Start thinking about what you can do to impact the lives of others. Make a difference in someone's life. Sometimes it's not the money. Sometimes it's the satisfaction that you gain from knowing that you have made a difference in someone's life. I can't begin to tell you one of the greatest things I've ever done was starting the Exodus Foundation. Talking to people about human trafficking, talking to women who have suffered from violence and being able to convince them that they too can get past it is the best thing I have ever done. Apart from having my children in there. Well, I don't know about that yet. That's still left to be seen. And if they hear this, they're probably going to be like, hmm, is that how you think about it? But think about it. The level of satisfaction you get from just being a human who helps another human. While we're looking at the big picture, while we're looking at everything else that could go wrong, how about we go right? Let's do the right thing. Help someone who is in need. So right there in your city, go find an organization that you can donate to. The Red Cross is going to get a ton of money, right? But how about starting right where you are in your city? Find an organization in your city that is helping the homeless, feeding children who are off school, providing support to parents who need the support before the federal government's stimulus checks kick in. They're probably figuring out where the money is going to come from right before they do all of that and while i ask our leaders i support you but please move quickly please move quickly to help the people right and go to my website the exodusfoundation.com help us to be a blessing to others i'm thinking of ways in which uh all i can do is advocate at this point because they're containing us by not spreading the virus but i want to be able to also offer instructional advice and to help others right here at the community level so that folks can get the help that they need. Look, it's all of us. We are in it, but we are together. And together, we're going to come out of this. Together, we are going to come out of this. We're going to learn lessons, but we're going to emerge and we're going to be stronger. We're going to be more faithful. We're going to be more compassionate, more considerate, and more loving. Just think about the people whose lives are affected. Parents who have to stay home with children and feed them. Children eat a lot. You know, when they're at home, the fridge door opens every five minutes. So all the food you bought thinking it was good for four weeks, it's done already. (laughs) Don't let Alex know. (laughs) I'm watching her, right? I'm about to start counting trips to the refrigerator and putting people on, 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 on. You can only go in the refrigerator once in three hours. Right? You can only eat once a day. (laughs) Right? Right? So help all of us. It's all of us. We're in it together. And for the love of God, we continue to wash our hands, practice social distancing, but pray. Pray for yourselves. Pray for all of us. Pray for our leaders who are appearing fearless. Pray for our state leaders, our city leaders, our county leaders. Encourage them. Send them a tweet. 
tell them that you are praying for them. Let them know that we support you and we are praying for you. We don't know the fallout from this, who is going to have it and who is not. But I ask all of us to be mindful of all of us. It's a time when we come together and we pray. Go to my website, theexodusfoundation.com. Make a donation to help us continue to do what we do. And listen to more of our stories on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever your favorite podcast platform is. As we go through this day, pray. Love and prayer and hope. There is hope and there is love after this. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed.